This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on another incredibly windy day across Kent. We do hope you're okay. It's Monday, February the 21st and this time we've had storm Franklin battering the county just days after Eunice wreaked havoc. Since Friday, thousands of homes have been left without power. Power. In fact, this morning, four and a half thousand homes and businesses still didn't have any electricity. Kent has been the worst hit county in the east of England. UK power networks have had teams working around the clock to try and restore supplies. And the boss of the company says those left without power for more than 24 hours will be entitled to compensation. Well, first today, let's hear from Vicky Sargent, who lives in Hextable. Her power went off on Friday. I just got out of the shower, thankfully. And um... I was getting myself ready and my bedroom light suddenly went off and then I was shouting at my Alexa and she wasn't replying Um, so I was like ah I think we've had a power cut which does happen like you know fairly often in in Hexville because it's quite rural but normally for like five minutes or an hour initially on the sort of UK power network website it was saying it would be back on that afternoon got to half four and we still didn't have power so I phoned them up and they basically didn't really know when it was going to be back. And uh, then I got a text about half past 10 at night saying that it probably wouldn't be fixed until Sunday or Monday. So, yeah, we did actually go back and sleep at our house on Friday night. And it wasn't too bad because we'd had the heating on in the morning. So it was sort of bearable. We, we literally we went back in the dark. We had torches out and we like filled up some hot water bottles and and stuck them in the bed. And, and it was sort of bearable. But... Yeah, then we sort of had to have this big debate on Saturday, like, what do we do? Because it's going to be a few days. So we made a decision to come and stay at my parents. I think perhaps the, the idea of a power cut for a couple of hours, oh, lights and candles, it's all very, all very um, nice. It's quite novel. <laughs> yeah, but for several days, it's really not much fun, is it? What was strange is that, like, on one side, one of my neighbours never lost power and they were absolutely fine. And then the other side, and a few houses along, we've all been without it for days. And, like my street there's like a lot of elderly couples so our next door neighbors they're like into in their 60s and you know they've they've stayed at home they had a coal fire which was sort of keeping them going um but like I mean I just checked the temperature of my house now that I've finally got power back on it's literally just come back on and the temperature in my house is 11.4 degrees obviously UK power networks have had a huge job over the over the weekend and today they're still trying to restore power and they have said that you'd be eligible for for compensation I mean how do you think they they've managed I mean it was a huge storm wasn't it the worst we've had in over a decade how would you rate how they have managed to get everybody back yeah I mean like it's obviously been a bit of a nightmare, but then everyone's been in that position. I think because so many people have been affected, it's sort of hard to blame anyone when it's kind of like, well, it's just the weather, the weather's like wreaked havoc. So um, I think they've probably done the best they can. It's good they're offering compensation because it does, you know, it does take a lot away. <laughs> you can't even sleep in your house. So yeah, we, we've actually applied for that. So hopefully we, we get something back because I think that would sort of um ease it a little bit you know make it a bit a bit of an easier pill to swallow yeah I get I mean what's happened to like food in fridges and freezers and things have you got to ditch all of that at first we didn't know how long it was going to last 
So I didn't think to like bring it all to my mum straight away or anything like that. So we did end up throwing away quite a lot of shopping. We'd literally done a big shop on Thursday and then Friday we lost all the power. So, you know, I must have thrown away, I reckon, about 40, 50 quids worth of food. Well, the energy minister has been in Kent today to see the work being done to try and get people back on the grid. Tommaso Domidio from our colleagues at KMTV has been chatting to Greg Hans in Tunbridge. Well, we've restored about 1.3 million people to power across the UK. Um, there's still about 32,000, as of this morning, people in the UK without power. Um, that's 12,000 here in the UK power network region, uh, which is East Anglia and the southeast of England. We monitor storms very, very closely indeed, and particularly the any power outages. My job as Energy Minister is to uh, make sure that we're on the case. Uh, we work really closely both with Ofgem, the regulator, and also with the, the companies like UK Power Networks um, that are here uh, restoring people's power, working really hard. I'm here in Item at the moment in Kent, and uh, there's a lot of people working really hard here uh, to get power restored here in this local area. Do you think the response could have been better? Well, I think the response has been really good. You know, 1.3 million people getting their power restored. Um, that is, if you like, the good news story here. But I have every sympathy with people who have been without power for 72 hours. You know, that is a long time in winter to be without power. Uh, that is why um, UK Power Networks and others are working really hard to get people their power restored. There'll be engineers coming from across the UK to assist uh, in those last areas that are still without power, make sure that they get up and running as quickly as we can. The advice again today was not to travel unless you absolutely have to. The QE2 bridge at the Dartford Crossing was closed again because of the high winds leading to very long queues as all traffic was diverted via the tunnels instead. Several roads remain blocked by fallen trees, power cables or other debris, including the A227 at Rutum where scaffolding has been left unsafe. There have also been delays to ferries because of poor conditions in the channel and rail services have been reduced with southeastern urging passengers not to travel. Let's hear now from Toby Howe. He's from KCC Highways. Although Franklin isn't as strong down here as Eunice was, the issue tends to be that Eunice has weakened a lot of trees, a lot of fence panels, a lot of roof panels, etc. And so Franklin's come in to sort of finish off the job in a lot of places. Although the wind is diminishing and everybody's sort of like thinking, oh, great, back to work as normal, there is still a lot of issue out there, especially, I mean, in the rural areas. There may be some branches that are overhanging. There may be trees down that nobody knows about yet. So you come around a corner and there could be problems. So it's really still taking extra care out there. Kent Police had sort of five times the usual 999 calls on, on Friday. UKPN had a month's worth of calls in a day. So, I mean, it's those sorts of proportions that we're getting as well. I mean, we've got hundreds of calls still being dealt with from KCC's point of view as well. Businesses have also been counting the cost of the bad weather. The repair bill at the Retreat Animal Sanctuary in High Holden is expected to be as much as £20,000. Billy Thompson is the founder. Unfortunately, it was a lot worse than we anticipated. We kind of had, had done as much prevention as we could but um we've had buildings tipped over our corn store went um, many animal buildings have been sadly damaged and a few of our disabled bird aviaries literally took off um, unbelievably just were were found thankfully we've had no casualties so far so um yeah it's just been a massive evacuation of um, animals that were in areas that are now 
that's broken to the ground, sadly. You never really know what your costs are going to be each and every day. And, and usually that's um, the, the challenges are our veterinary costs for each new resident. So something like this is kind of probably probably would have doubled our budget for this month. So, yeah, we had no idea. But of course, now we'd be needing to buy new field shelters, many, many roof repairs. I mean, we've never had I mean, we've had worse storms than this, but we've never had this kind of damage. So, yeah, so it's going to cost a fortune. We do suffer um, when the storms are coming along because we're actually at the top of the hill. So um, one of the first things to go was the power. And oddly enough, not only the power, but we had no telephone, no internet inside or out. So we were absolutely, we were, we were, you know, we couldn't communicate with the outside world. And it is quite terrifying. Um, as the wind came up the, the drive, the first thing it hit was our corn store and then the buildings that are after that so you are always looking at where we evacuate animals to and are animals safer in the field because obviously if a tree comes down in the field and takes a fence out then you've got to worry about escapees so you're always juggling but yeah it was ter- it was terrifying we watched them some of the roofs lift off and um of course not only the damage to the buildings but when you've got sheep roofing sheets flying off here there and everywhere there's also that danger so uh, yeah, so we're we're faced with that as well. But I mean, at the moment, I've got turkeys in the shower cubicle in the house. I've got tortoises in my bath. Uh, you you name it, the house has become like Noah's Ark because those buildings we've lost, we've had to accommodate animals elsewhere. So yeah, it's a bit a bit odd today, but we got through it. And um, thank you so much. That's just overwhelming the um, fundraising campaign already. So thank you to everyone. Amazing. Well, finally, on the weather, let's hear from some of the Kent Online team who've been reporting on the storms and the damage they've caused. I'm Dan Wright in Ashford. Friday was probably one of the busiest days I've had working on the Ashford patch. It started fairly quietly over at the designer outlet early on in the morning when MacArthur Glen decided to shut the centre for the day, which was a sensible move because even at that point in the morning at about 9am, the wind was so strong that it was stopping me in my tracks as I walked from the town centre over to the designer outlet and MacArthur Glen shut the centre for the rest of the day. So that's kick-started Friday. And then at lunchtime, part of the roof on the County Square shopping centre flew away, crashing down into the glass above the centre and debris, including bricks and glass, smashed onto the floor, narrowly avoiding shoppers. That was probably the most dramatic point of Friday. But there was also drama at the Pilgrim's Hospice furniture shop on the Ring Road where part of the frontage peeled off, sending glass down the Ring Road. So that was made for dramatic pictures. There was a garage damaged on an industrial estate near the town centre where a whole wall fell down in the high winds and is still down today. It's going to take a lot of work to get repaired and there's security on site 24-7 guarding the garage. So there was a lot of drama in the town centre, literally running around, getting from one story to the next on Friday. It was a very busy day. Thankfully, no one was injured, but it could have been a very different story because on the Repton Park estate, a lot of masonry fell and completely crushed a car, a Mazda that was parked outside a block of flats. A lot of brickwork and masonry fell from the top floor of the flats and crushed the car beneath it and it was a 
scary looking photographs and just luckily that no one was hurt so Ashford definitely felt the full force of Storm Eunice on Friday and now there's a lot of repair work to do across the town centre and the borough. This is Matt LeClaire, Chief Reporter for Medway, Gravesend and Dartford. We started getting reports in about 10, 30, 11 o'clock of, uh, of Storm Eunice approaching with some very strong winds. Um, and throughout the day, this, this really developed as, as more and more damage was, was, being, was being reported to us. Um, the, the, main, the main thing was sort of later in the afternoon was with the uh, Grain power station um, over on the Isle of Grain. Quite a, quite a remote um, flat area, really, but one of the, uh, the, the towers... Uh, the middle tower at one of the uh, one of the parts of the plant was was completely blown over, um, bent over double um, from from the absolute battering it's taken from uh, taken from Storm Eunice. Um, of course, the Dartford crossing was closed for pretty much all day uh, and throughout the weekend as well as the strong winds returned with uh, with Storm Franklin on Sunday. And one of the the one of the main things that that was borne out there in 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 reality was the high-sided lorry that was blown over on the m2 viaduct um before they decided to to close that stretch of the road so there was a real uh, real issue of of several several incidents that was uh, being reported across north kent on friday well you can see pictures from across the county and get the most up-to-date travel news at kent online you can also hear regular news and travel bulletins on our sister radio station kmfm plus kent tonight is on kmtv from 5 30 kent online news news from court now and a man who kicked his pregnant partner in the stomach while drunk in dover has been jailed james flynn also verbally abused the victim and dragged her along the ground during the attack outside her home. The 34-year-old, who doesn't have a permanent address, has been locked up for 16 months. Prosecutors have named the Met Police officers charged with allegedly sharing grossly offensive messages with Sarah Everard's killer, former officer Wayne Cousins from Deal. PCs Jonathan Cobbon and William Neville and ex-constable Joel Borders are due in court next month. Cousins is serving a whole life order for the 33-year-old's kidnap and murder. A Medway man who threatened his ex-girlfriend with a knife and assaulted her twice has been jailed. Mark Irwin also said he would harm her family and shouted at children during a row in Rochester. The 31-year-old from Peel Close in Who has been locked up for almost two years and given a restraining order. A man's been charged with being unlawfully at large after allegedly absconding from an open prison on Sheppey. James Riley was arrested on Merston Road in Sittingbourne more than a month after going missing from HMP Stamford Hill. The 52-year-old, who doesn't have a permanent address, is due back in court on Thursday. A teenage boy has been charged with attempted sexual assault after a woman was grabbed in Sevenoaks. She was walking in Knoll Park in an area known as the Gallop and managed to run away following the attack last Thursday morning. The 16-year-old suspect is due back in court next month. Now, a mum from Swanscombe has told the Kent Online podcast she fears for her autistic son's safety because of changes to his school transport. The county council has carried out a shake-up of travel arrangements for more than 5,000 youngsters with special needs, and that means that some children will be picked up by different drivers. Well, Jamie has been speaking to Emma Benmosser, who's concerned about how it'll affect her boy, Sammy. On um, Friday evening, we got a phone call from a taxi company Company saying that they would be taking my daughter to school obviously I explained to him I don't have a daughter Sammy was actually a boy um, and that they'd be picking him up from uh, 7 30 
um, I explained to the taxi driver that it would probably be difficult for me to get Sammy into the taxi and take up some time as Sammy doesn't know the driver and he will be absolutely terrified getting into a taxi with people that he doesn't know. He he won't understand where he's who this man is and why he's taking him. Um, and that Sammy would probably be upset come school pickup as well if he sees his original team picking up other children. Um, he'll instinctively want to go with them um, and will kick up a fuss if he's not allowed to. Um, and when Sammy gets upset, he hits his head repeatedly, either with his hands or up against a wall. He'll throw himself on the floor, hit his head on the floor. Um, so I said to the driver, you know, that you could find have some problems. I'm sorry, it won't be easy. And he said that he's a bit worried now, so he's going to have to go back to his manager. Um, and that's the last I heard from the taxi driver. So I, I'm, to be honest, I'm not sure whether Sammy has transport on Tuesday or not. Sure. So you haven't heard you haven't heard back at all with definite confirmation still then? No, KCC said they would get back to me and try and allay the driver's fears. They haven't. And neither has the driver, which I understand they're very busy. Um, but there's some concerns here now that need addressing. I was going to say, yeah, of course, you know, they're busy trying to sort transport for everybody. But ultimately, you have concerns over your son's safety. I wrote to them saying that I would like to see a risk assessment or something before I put Sammy into the taxi so I know that this driver and the passenger assistant are capable of dealing with children in meltdown. Um, and they said our priority is getting bums on seats at the moment um, and you should rest, uh, rest assured that Sammy has a place. Um, I wrote to David Brazier, he is the cabinet member responsible for transport and he said you know, it's not the time to have a meeting with the officers because I wanted to express my concern with the officers that my child was probably at risk of injury um, from this. And there, there just seemed to be no compassion, no the concerns of myself and the worry of the risk of injury for my child wasn't there. It was just bums on seats. That's what matters. Well, KCC have issued a statement. This is what it says. We're deeply sorry for the anxiety and worry caused by the delay in notifying parents of new transport arrangements for children and young people with special educational needs and disabilities. Officers have been working hard to match more than 5,500 children and young people with new transport providers and we regret that despite best efforts, there are some parents still waiting to hear who their child's new provider will be. We will contact these parents directly with details over the weekend but we will reimburse parents where they have had to make their own arrangements. This is not a position we ever anticipated being in and we are immensely sorry for putting parents and young people through this trying time. Once provision is fully allocated, we will be conducting a thorough review of what went wrong and why to ensure that we learn and put steps in place so this situation is not repeated. We understand there will be concerns about new transport providers and we want to reassure parents their child's needs will be taken into account as assessed by a previous eligibility assessment, including if they need to travel alone or need a passenger assistant. The Kent Online Podcast.
with Ball in Maidstone. Maidstone Job Centre is going to start using artificial intelligence to help get people into work. £1.3 million is being spent on a six-month trial of the government's matchmaking service. We're told the tech will pose a series of questions and build up an online profile to show job seekers vacancies or skills opportunities. Maidstone is one of 20 places in the country taking part, but it won't be mandatory. Meantime, the number of businesses in Kent has reached a record high, despite the pandemic. Figures show more than 16,600 new companies were registered in the county last year. Medway has the highest number overall, followed by Maidstone and Sevenoaks. Staying with some business news and the people behind an escape room in Gravesend are planning to open a new family fun entertainment centre. The owners of the Panic Room have bought a unit at the back of the old BHS store in the town centre. They already run online games and axe throwing and you can see how our reporter Alex got on trying out the escape room at Kent Online. A pub in Herne Bay dating back to the 1840s is set to be turned into flats. Owners of Rodney's Sports Bar in North Strait are hoping to turn it into homes and claim it's no longer viable to run as a pub. The site closed during the first lockdown in March 2020 but continued to sit empty even when restrictions were relaxed. And Kent's been named today as one of the most Instagrammable places in the UK. Researchers have found the county's been mentioned in more than 4.4 million hashtags. That puts it fifth on a list, beaten only by Cornwall, Bristol, Essex and Devon. You can head to our Insta to see some of your fabulous pictures of the county. Don't forget to share them with us too by using hashtag Kent Online. Kent Online Sport. Football and Gillingham remain five points from safety in League One after a disappointing defeat at the weekend. They were beaten 2-0 at Priestville by Plymouth Argyle. We caught up with manager Neil Harris after the final whistle. We look majorly organised again. Um, give very little away. Um, in, in certainly the first half, and then sucker punch start the second half. Um, we give the ball away for both goals cheaply, unopposed. Give the ball away, and I've been careful what I said after game not to make too many promises. Um, what I said we will get better, and we will get better. Um, today the work we showed on the training pitch uh, didn't materialise with the football, um, and I thought too often we gave the ball away unopposed um, and caused ourselves problems. And both goals come from the turnover which has been very unlike us so far um, from my time in charge. We didn't, we didn't build momentum, uh, we didn't have any um, continuous play. Um, we had two corners, uh, we didn't have a chance to use a long throw, put balls in the box. We, we never really threatened them. They never caused us no overly a problem in the first half. Chappie never had a save to make in the first 45 minutes. First thing he does is pick the ball out of the net. Um, so it's, it's a frustration. Uh, you give good players, top six in the league players, opportunities they're going to score. Um, I thought the first goal was an exceptional finish. Don't get me wrong, we give the ball away unopposed and we can do better to stop him getting to where he shoots from. But it's a great finish. Um, and after that, we're chasing the game a little bit and Plymouth for the sort of counter-attack team that have got the ability to hurt you on the counter-attack, as they did. They did a couple of times, um, obviously only leading to one goal. But we, just the second goal was a killer punch as well where it never gave us a chance to really attack the rain amend and, and really sort of galvanise the, the crowd and, and, and the group um, and, and a real frustration. The, the players have worked hard, you know, they, they've done exceptionally well for me in the short space of time. Uh, today, the better team won the game. Um, we're not going to win every game between now and the end of the season. Um, I think, it, again, it just shows our uh, limited options within the changing room. Um, ben Reeves was a real positive come and play 25 minutes so really delighted with that I was only trained one day so absolutely delighted to get Reevesy back on the pitch um, have to see if we can do much more than that on, on Tuesday um, 
but I think what it showed today was there's so much work to be done. Um, you know, so much work to be done off the pitch regarding transfer windows, and so much work to be done on the training pitch as well. And but my thought process of the group hasn't changed. You know, great gr- uh, bunch of lads that, that are giving me everything. And again today, no lack of effort or desire or commitment or, or, or team structure. Um, we, we, we just found wanting with the football. Tomorrow, the Jills welcome AFC Wimbledon, a side just a place above the relegation zone. It's going to be a huge match for the home side as their fight for survival continues. You will, of course, be able to follow the match action at Kent Online. And if you head to the sports pages of the website today, you can see who's made it into the team of the week and you can also vote for your star player. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. You can also now get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do it, you need to subscribe. Just head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Ball in Maidstone, your brand new luxury sports and gaming bar with American pool, table tennis, beer pong, live sports, delicious food and bottomless brunches.